But we want to go to the most important part of the service where we hear God's word read aloud. So grab your Bible, turn to John chapter 15. If you don't have one or own one, there's a paperback Bible in the pew in front of you. And give your attention to the reading of God's word today. If you're reading from that Pew Bible this morning, it will be on page 999 or 999. John 15, verse 5. When you're there, say abide. All right. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Well, again, we're glad that you're here starting 2019. It's a fresh year with a blank sheet of paper in front of you. And this year is off to a good start because the Dallas Cowboys won last night. So there is grace and praise be to God, okay? Um, We are in our series Abide, and basically what we're doing is we are using a word to guide us for the new year. If there's a word that would all encompass Jesus' hopes, desires, and plans for his disciples, it is the word abide. And what we're saying is for this new year in 2019, we're saying that faithful abiding leads to abundant fruit. And what Jesus talks about when it mentions fruit, him being the vine, you being the branches, and that when we're connected to him that our lives bear fruit. And what we mean by fruit is we defined it last week as observable evidence of being formed into the image of Jesus Christ. So in layman's terms, jelly on the bottom shelf, that every day and day by day, you are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. That is our goal. That is the goal for the Christian life. And how we're breaking the word abide down to kind of be helpful for you is the word abide means to remain or to rest into something. But it it has a lot of nuances to it. And so to outline our series, we sort of broke down an acronym. I'm a simple man. I need the jelly on the bottom shelf. And so we've just sort of broken this down each week. Last week, we acknowledged where we were at. And we said that with a new year sort of on the precipice, you can't understand where you're going until you understand where you're at. You can't know what you're wanting to do until you acknowledge this is where I am. And so we did some inventory on that last week. No fruit, some fruit, more fruit, much fruit. And we just prayerfully considered, man, where am I at? In 2019, where's my relationship with Jesus? Some of us said it's good. It was better than 2017. Praise be to God, right? But um, there could be a little bit more work. And then some of us said, man, um, there's no fruit. And I've got to get connected to the vine. This week, we're looking at what it means to bind ourselves to Jesus. And the thrust of the text is John chapter 15, verse 5. That apart from me, Jesus says, you can do how much? How much is it? A little something? A little something? No, nothing. And I spent this week um, studying that in the Greek, and the word nothing in the Greek means jack nothing. It's a new translation. It means nothing, okay? That's just what it means. And so it's sort of almost maybe like a a warning, a thrust that Jesus is saying. Yes, faithful abiding leads to abundant fruit. But listen, you've got to understand something, Jesus says. Apart from me being the vine and you being the branches, there will not be any observable evidence. And then in verse 6, Jesus says this. If anyone does not abide in me... He is thrown away like a branch and withers, 
and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. There's tension. There's tension now. And, and as I was prayerfully trying to just understand, okay, if this is an organic metaphor and the vine and the branches, and you would assume that if it's bearing fruit that they're connected, and if Jesus is saying that apart from him you can do nothing, but then he almost like commands us to be connected to him, how does this work? Like if Jesus is saying, bind yourself to me, then the flip side of that coin is Jesus is saying, um, your natural inclination is to drift from me, right? I think it's safe to assume that. Bind yourself to me because your natural inclination is to drift or to wander. And when I tried to figure out, I mean, there's two ways that you could preach this. I could just hellfire and brimstone and scare you and all of the warnings and all of that. And there are some warnings, yes, but I know that's a poor motivator. Or I could just explain it away and the warning and the fire doesn't really mean fire. It means fire or so you know and I could just explain that away but there's a tension there and then I was reminded of uh, incident and experience that I got to have with our son Roman so about four years ago um, I took Roman to the circus when the circus came in town and we were excited and it was a blast and it was fun he was still a little bitty guy at the time and so this was going to be just a me and daddy time and we were going out, and I was a little bit nervous because mom's not coming, and mom's always prepared. There's like a snack or a sucker right at the clutch moment, right? And I was like, man, this is not going to happen. And then I realized, I'm taking my son into a room where there are lions and elephants. Like, and I'm paying money to do this. Like, this is, and then I figured, oh, no, the fear set in. Like, this is going to be some YouTube video gone viral. Like, the elephant snaps out and, like, goes into the stands or something. And so I'm, I'm worried. He's a little guy. Is he going to sit there the whole time? Is he going to wander off? Is he going to squirm? What's going to happen? So we get in, we sit down, and we got our popcorn, and then the show began. And the ringmaster came in. And I realized that about 20 minutes in, Roma was just still on my lap. I mean, he hadn't squirmed, he hadn't gone away, and he was zoned in. And it was a special moment of just seeing him sitting there, and it dawned on me. My fear was is that he would wander off, and so I was concerned, and I could have created rules and done all types of things to lord that over him so he would stay binded and connected to me. But the reality was is that I didn't have to do that because something else encompassed his full attention. He was immersed in something that kept him from wondering. And look in verse 8 at what Jesus says. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. I don't think we understand the magnitude of what was just read and what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is existed before eternity, before time began, before there was nothing, there wasn't something, there was someone, there was a relationship, and it was perfect, and it was harmonious, and then the love for each other spilled out onto the creation of canvas, and, and Jesus is saying the way that God the Father loves me is the way that I love you, and here's what gets your attention, abide in my rules. Abide in my warnings, though they're there. Abide in my love. And it dawned on me. 
The only way to stay binded to Jesus, the only way not to wander away from Jesus is to sit and remain and wonder at Him. You see, the answer is not, oh, not this sin, and bad, 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 wrong, 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 sin, 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 and bind, 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 rules, 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 this, 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 because rules without relationship equals rebellion. That's a dictatorship. But rather, Jesus is saying there's a motivator here, and it's my love. And the way that you will stay binded in 2019, the way that you will be attached to Jesus is to remain in awe at his love that he has for us. And so how are we going to do that? There's a couple things in the text. Jesus talks about the source, then he talks about the side effects, and then the structure, and we'll take them one at a time. The first thing that Jesus says is the source. You've got to understand the source. And he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Hold up the universal symbol of what you can do apart from Jesus. Nothing. But I don't think we actually believe that. Surely not. Surely Jesus doesn't mean nothing, right? Because I think that we can actually think that we can do something, like maybe halfway, like really, really hard, try really, really hard, and then improve on this, and then reach inside in the spark of the snowflake that is you, and you can do this, and all of that. And then what Jesus does is he comes along, and he blesses our hard work once we've done all of that, and then that's what makes the relationship, is Jesus is like sprinkles, That's what it is. It's my hard work and my determination. And then Jesus comes along and he sprinkles Jesus sprinkles on all my hard work. And that's really what it is. That's what it is. Jesus said that's not it at all. You see, listen, the Christian life, the Christian life is not 50% your effort and then 50% God's effort. The Christian life is a supernatural life. It is a 100% God producing that in your life. That's what we believe about the Christian life. And what Jesus is saying is you have to understand the source here. But we struggle with that. And so maybe this will help. There is an item in our home, that's maybe our home similar to yours, that is of immense value for us. We search for this. We um, know where they are. We place them. I'm not talking about family albums or pictures, right? I'm talking about cell phone chargers, bro, okay? <laughs> Amen? Amen, right? I, I read an article. Apple, Apple reports each year grossing $1 billion dollars. From cell phone chargers. And you try to buy the long 60-foot one, that's the lightning rod, and it doesn't work that good or anything like that, right? Because listen, your phone, follow, follow the logic, your phone is not a source of power. It's limited, but it is not self-sustaining. And every night, you plug in your phone, and multiple times throughout the day, you're asking friends, and it's probably at your desk, and you have one in your car, so it can stay sustained throughout the day. What Jesus is saying is that. And the Apostle Paul says the same thing. 
Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It is no longer I who live, but I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Do you see the motivation, the love? Who loved me and gave himself up for me. But I'm not the source of this life. And listen, that should bring a sigh of relief washing over you. Listen, look up here. Don't miss this. Here's a great way to start 2019. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on you. Yes, you have responsibilities, and yes, you have roles, but you are not the source of it. But what we try to do is we try to categorize our life. And what Jesus is saying is, I am not a part of your life. I'm the heart of your life. I am the source of this. So the only way that we cannot wander away is to remain in wonder at Jesus. Not the things that Jesus can do for us, not the ideas of Jesus, but rather the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's the source that we have to understand. But Jesus is a great teacher. He's not just a great teacher. He's the greatest teacher that ever lived, right? Because he's God, okay? So that's a pretty big deal. So as a good teacher, he doesn't just show you one side. He wants to enter into your worldview. And you're arguing. That's okay. You're arguing with the preacher. You're arguing with Jesus. That's fine. And what Jesus is saying is you need to consider this side effect. If you're not connected and if there's not a source then you need to understand what your life looks like apart from that, which enters verse 6. When Jesus says that if you're not connected, then you are thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, and they're thrown into the fire and burned. I said this at the first service, and I'll say it again. I wish that wasn't in there. Can I not be honest, right? That's hard. That's why we teach verse by verse here at Westside. We don't skip stuff, right? We don't just teach what we want or anything like that. That's a hard saying. What is Jesus saying? I mean, we have to understand, though, that John 15 is the upper room discourse. Jesus is hours or moments away from Roman soldiers coming at night for an illegal trial to arrest him And in 24 hours, he will be crucified by the Roman government. And who's in the room? His disciples. And who are the disciples? Peter, James, John, Judas. We can't get away from what's in the text. Here's what I don't think Jesus is doing. I don't think Jesus is using the analogy of the vine and the branches and then basically as a dictator standing over going, produce fruit, grow. Like how dumb would that be if I lined my kids up at the wall at home and yelled at them, grow now. Be healthy, grow, grow tall. What's that going to do? And some of you grew up with thinking that was Christianity. Don't, 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 don't. How's that going? 
What kind of fruit does that produce? Here's what I don't think Jesus is doing. I don't think he is taking us and dangling us over the fires of hell, though there is a warning there. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. That distance from Jesus will only create devastation. That's what he's saying. The further and further and further you drift from this source. You know the word that scares me the most in verse 6? It's not even fire. And by the way, if you're arguing that that doesn't mean judgment, it's the only time fire is ever used in John's gospel, and he almost quotes verbatim Ezekiel, where Ezekiel is using fire as judgment, so you can't get away with that either. It's not fire or burn. It's the word wither. Think about it. A withered vine. Just look at the image. Some of you would say that was 2018 right there. That's my marriage right there. That is a reflection of of my life. And I think what Jesus is saying out of love and compassion is, is you have to understand the side effect of not being attached to the source. And so I want to be helpful here. What are some warning signs of withering? Because if it is as serious as Jesus says... And if we don't remain in wonder at him, not his rules, not his blessings, not all of that, but Jesus, simply Jesus, what are the signs that my eyes are looking for other things? Well, the first thing I think is this, to to continue with the analogy of the vine is, is a lack of nourishment from God's word, right? So all plants, vineyard, grape, everything needs water, sunshine, the nutrients from the soil, all of those things. And the Bible teaches that it's impossible to please God without faith. So your next question should be, how do I get faith? I'm glad you asked that. The Bible answers that in Romans chapter 10. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Imagine this. Imagine that if the only meal that you were going to eat all week long happened right now, and you went from Sunday to Sunday without eating, how would that go for you? Not well. Then why is it that many of us in this room, this is the only moment and time in your week that you have a Bible in your hand and you are exposed to the Word of God. And then we sit back and go, I'm withering away. God has made no substitute for His Word. And next week, we're going to understand how to dive into that and to get practical. But a sign of withering is a lack of nourishment from God's Word. Secondly, it's this, a lack of exposure to sunlight. And it's spelled right. See what I did there? Not S-U-N, but S-O-N, huh? Right? I get paid to do this. I'm pretty proud of it, you know? Listen, here's what you do need to understand. If the Christian life is a supernatural life, then that means that you cannot produce or manufacture the fruit of Christian life. Listen, you can't produce fruit But here's what you can do. You can position yourself so God can produce fruit in your life. You understand what I'm saying by that? One of the things that you're doing is you're doing it now. Gathering with God's people. 
sitting under the preaching and teaching of God's word, the administration of the sacraments, the singing of his praises. That's what you do when you're involved in a community group, when you serve, when you do all of those things. You are positioning yourself. Listen, if you want to know or go, if you want God to do something in your life and to move in your life, it would probably make sense to be where God is at. That would be a crazy concept, right? If you want to do and be a part of what God is doing, then go where God is working. And when you are around God's people, whether it's community group or serving or doing any of those things, you're positioning yourself. But a lack of that only produces withering. The third thing is this, a lack of pruning. Jesus made it very clear in verses 1 through 5 that what God does is if there is a season in our life where there is additional things in our life that is hindering our relationship with him, he prunes away like a gardener. And we think that's a bad thing, a negative thing. Because we live in a culture of instant gratification and we learned last week that fruit grows slowly. But actually an evidence and sign of God's grace in your life is God's discipline. Hebrews chapter 12, God disciplines those whom he loves, right? Translation, all of God's kids are getting it, right? Because he is a loving father and something, listen, every time I heard one preacher say this, every time God says don't, he means don't hurt yourself. It's just like a parent, don't, that will hurt you. And he's so loving that even when we do that, he doesn't abandon us and leave us to our own device and go, see, I told you so. How'd that work out for you? No, he enters into our life and works at getting those things out of our life. And listen, never avoid hard things. Never avoid hard things in your life. Because we think God works the most in the mountaintop experience. Thunder and lightning and revival and all of this. But in reality, he is the most personal in the valley. And that's where you see the evidence of the fruit growing in your life. And then the last thing is this, a lack of rain from repentance. The Old Testament prophets always equated repentance with being like God's rain that would fall on a drought of a season. And we say it like this, no change, no change will come about in your life apart from a crisis. Because you have to consider a crisis and say, I have to change or that has to change. And in Christianity, we call that repentance where we lay down what is hurting us and our relationship, and we turn from that, but not just turning from, but turning to something, turning to Christ to remain in wonder at him, the warning signs of withering. So we have to be connected to the source. We've got to consider the side effect and the warning of what it is to not be attached to Jesus. But we're understanding we're not focusing on just the rules and wandering away, but rather, how can we create everything in our life that we would just be in wonder at Jesus? Which leads us to the last concept, the structure in life. The source and the side effect and then the structure. There's something going on in the text that isn't necessarily there on the surface. And I'm always very cautious to say something like that because people think, I need a degree or something to read the Bible. No, if you ever are listening to a sermon or studying your Bible and someone's teaching and you go, wow, 
Where did they get that from? I don't see that. That's amazing. That's a bad sermon, bro, okay? Because you need to go, yeah, that's right there in verse two. It's, it's in your Bible, right? But going with the analogy that Jesus is talking about a vine and branches, his first century hearers would have understood something. So a vineyard um, back then um, didn't necessarily look like Napa Valley looks like now, okay? So back then, you, you needed a, a structure in the vineyard because you can't have the fruit, the grapes, or whatever just laying on the ground because that prevents growth. You need them raised up, and then when the weight from the fruit starts to put stress on the branches, you need something to support that. And so actually in Jesus' day, they would have planted vineyards in groves of trees, And the vineyards would have grown up the trees and from one tree to another, supporting the growth of the fruit. Now, many of us are asking God to do something fantastically new in 2019. God, just produce fruit in my life, godliness, all of these things. And the reality is that if God actually answered that prayer and gave you everything that you're praying for, it would crush you. Why? Because your life will only grow as much as your structure of life will support it. So you really want to grow in godliness and forgiveness? Is your life structured in such a way that it can support the fruit of that? And actually from from the French word that we get for um, a trellis is what I'm talking about. The trellis and the vine. Many of you might have these in your garden. We actually get the word rule, R-U-L-E from trellis. And this is known as a rule of life. And so Parker Williams, a dear friend of mine and a member of our board, sort of turned me on to this. But as I kept reading and going back, all the heroes of the faith from George Whitfield to Spurgeon to John Wesley, everybody had what they called a rule of life. Now, this is not a resolution, right? Resolutions are about goals and completing and all of that. A rule of life is about daily rhythms, just simple daily rhythms. And here's what a rule of life does for you. A rule of life keeps you from being ruled by life because life happens. And so what's the default answer? You ready? Answer this for me. Hey, how are things going? Oh, busy, man. Good, but busy. Woo. Got the thing and then the stuff and then the thing and the stuff and with the thing and stuff. You know, it's busy. How crazy would it be if we asked someone, hey, how's it going? And they went, man, honestly, man, things are good right now. You would go, what are you, psycho? It's 2019, man. You're supposed to be busy, strung out, all this type of stuff, exhausted and everything. And if we as Christians and as God's people are to be the example for the world, how are we living differently And the Apostle Paul even says this in Romans chapter 12. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, to present by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So listen, the... 
The New Testament would teach that there is a rhythm of the world that is thrusted upon you every day that with every tenacity and veracity that you have, you are to reject that rhythm and that way of life and that we are to go the way of Jesus because what we do is we put our lives in compartments and for some of us, you think you're checking off a box today. It's Sunday, 11 o'clock, church. Then we'll do this, and then we'll do that, and then Monday starts, and then that happens, and then I have my Jesus time, and then I do. And what a rule of life does is it lets you know that there are not spiritual categories in your life. That your whole life is spiritual. From your work, to your parenting, to your dating, to your marriage, to everything. So what we're going to do today is, this afternoon on our social media, there will be a link that goes live. And it's about a 20-page document that has you sit down, look at your life, and literally create a schedule for yourself. Because here's what's crazy. You already have one. You already have one. And what this does is this keeps the rhythm of that happening. And there's really four aspects of a rule of life, okay? It's upward, it's inward, it's withward, and then it's outward, okay? Withward's a word, I looked it up, okay? All right? The first one is this, upward. This is my relationship with Jesus. This is my Bible, this is my praying. What rhythms do I have in my life, right? And so I'm, I'm diving into this just like you are. Me and my wife are having conversations about this. Um, For me, when it comes to the gym and time, my Bible time is most of the time in my car. Um, Right after the gym, I'm either sitting there or in the driveway at home, just trying to read a little bit. I have time when uh, when I go to get in line with Roman. There's about 30 minutes there that I have to wait to pick him up for school. And if I have my phone, for me, I can't have my phone in my hand. So for those of you who are like, I can read my Bible on my phone. Next thing I know, I've bought four things from Amazon. I have no idea what happened. I have no idea. I'm like, Jesus said, ooh, click by now, right? I just can't do that. I physically have to have my Bible in my hand, okay? And so what I'm doing is I'm trying to create rhythms and times where I can intentionally do that. I'm trying to do that with prayer. It's very difficult for me. We're going to get into more of that stuff next week. That's upward. What? Listen, we start with that. We don't add that in after the day. We don't add that in after the day. Because when you add that in, it's not getting added in. Your cup already runneth over, correct? So it's upward, but then it's inward. And this is something I'm really trying to focus on when it comes from health, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. I mean, like, I don't think we realize, like, how emotionally dysfunctional we are as human beings, man. And, like, psychologically as well, like, some of y'all are crazy. No, I'm just all right. We all are. And I don't think of the environment we grew up in in our home, all of those things. What do we need? Seasons of time. We're getting into winter where daylight is less. Depression and all of those things start to set. What rhythms do we have to help with that? Finances, work, all of those things. One of the things that um, my wife needs for us in a healthy marriage is, is like a business meeting. For, for us to talk about finances and to plan things out. And when we do that, I literally feel like energy getting sucked out of my body. <laughs> because that, I, that's not who I am. I'm not a money guy or anything like that. Like, I go to a gas station, and I buy a cowboy hat, sweatshirt, and sunglasses. And I'm like, yeah, right? I just buy dumb stuff, and I shouldn't do that, right? One of the things that will end my marriage, if, if I go into a gas station and buy a bottle of water, 
right? Because I could have bought 37 bottles of water for the one price. But I wanted to have the conversation with the guy. I love sketchy gas stations like Casey's or Huck's because there's a shirtless guy out there all the time. Next time you're at Casey's, shirtless guy right out front. It's just called... So listen, what I need for that and what my marriage needs, which gets to withward. So that's our marriage. That's our relationships. What rhythms do we need to institute? This comes into parenting as well. Hey, parents, the, it's not the church's job to disciple your children. It's not kids' side. It's not West Side Youth's job to disciple your kids. It's your job. We partner with you with what you're doing. So the question is, what rhythms do you have? One of the things that me and Roman do on the way to school, we have the length of Oak Grove Road. We live at the end, and he goes to, or I'm sorry, Township Line, and, and he goes to Oak Grove. So we have the length of Township Line. When we get in the car, he reads whatever portion of Scripture that we can from the home to the school. We read Psalm 1, Psalm 23 this week, and unicorns and fire didn't fall from the sky, Okay? Right? It was still a struggle. Sometimes we don't even read. Sometimes we read some. But you know what? It's a rhythm. We're trying to redeem the time that God has given us. And I'm trying to be as transparent as I can. I have done some things in my life and in my marriage and in my parenting that have affected my family because of lack of what I'm doing. I need this just as much as you need this. And then outward, are there extended relationships Here's a question. Do you have, raise your hand, do you have an immediate family member or a dear close friend of yours that does not know Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. So what are you doing about it? What are we doing? You see... You think that you want God to answer that prayer magically from fire from the sky, and God's answer to that prayer is your life. It is the time that He has given you. It's the talents, it's the treasure, it's the schedule, it's the rhythm. That's the answer. And what Jesus is saying for us to abide is it's not an addition, it is a revolution. It is centering Jesus at the center of everything. And when that happens through the rhythm of our life, listen, Westside, I promise you, take it to the bank. You will see God do something in 2019 in your life. You will. Because the only way not to wander away is to sit and simply be in wonder at Jesus and his love that he has for you. So as the band comes and leads us in a time of response, I don't know where you're at. But I would hope that everyone's desire in this room today would be, I want to be closer to Jesus. I just want to know Jesus more. I want to spend more time with Jesus. Listen, if, if that's your statement, I want you to look up here. Your motivator is not solely what your life is like apart from that, though that's true. You need to know that. Do you know what your motivator is for you to spend more time and to know and love Jesus? Is this. That however much you want to know and love and spend time with Jesus, he wants it much more than you do. He wants it much more than you do. That's the motivator. It's not your effort. It's what Jesus has already done. So structure your life around that good news. 
and there you will find the motivation to abide. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we thank you for the truth of your word. Jesus, we thank you that you desire to be with us, that the motivation for this relationship is not our effort, though you partner with that, yes. It is the fact that such as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. May that be the motivation today. God, I pray as husbands and wives and families and singles and people begin to restructure the foundation of their very life and say, no longer is this a part. I'm not adding this to anything. I can't add anything to Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So now my whole life goes from trying to add you, Jesus, to rather my whole life goes from being centered around you, Jesus. And God, we know that faithful abiding leads to abundant fruit. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. We pray this all in the holy and the precious and the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand where you're at? If you're a follower of Christ, we invite you to come to partake in the body and the blood shed for you. Come as you feel led.